Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks for joining into another episode of the Access Potential Podcast. This is John Marsh. We're at episode number 111. Uh, today on the episode, I've got a conversation with a good friend of mine. His name is Found Fipat. And I've known Found for since the start of 2019. And we connected on social media. He was over in Japan at the time, but originally was from Melbourne. So we had some connections uh, down there because I had recently moved up to Newcastle from Melbourne. And I think we originally connected over movement and our friendship and our journey together has uh, crossed many other paths. And it was really cool to get found on the podcast uh, over a year later. So found works uh, for a startup, uh, which is really cool. So he's got some really great insights from online retailing and he also does a bunch of other cool stuff. So he runs a podcast uh, called The Passive Hang, which is all about the movement culture and connects with a lot of leaders in the movement space, which is a very uh, niche podcast. It's very cool. Uh, he is what I would call, you know, and this is just coming to to me now, but I guess like a curious organizer, very hardworking, very diligent, very consistent uh, with an insatiable desire to learn, to connect with other people, to organize, and to bring value to any environment or community that he's a part of. And so in this in this conversation, I wanted to bring some specific value to this concept of creating a platform because it's something I've talked a lot about. There's been numerous episodes here where we've gone through this concept in particular the podcast and I still strongly believe that this is a project and an opportunity that literally is for everyone so whether you're in business or not I I think to be honest everyone would benefit from creating at least one season of a podcast Uh, there's so many upsides and basically no downsides. So we talk a little bit about that because Found has executed on this. He's carving it out. Uh, Just the other day, I was in conversation with somebody and they started to talk about his podcast. And that was really cool. That was a great moment um, for me and it kind of made me smile. And that's when I reached out to Found to see if he would jump on. And of course, also wanted to share a little bit of his own story because his curiosity is infectious Uh, His passion for learning is infectious and his willingness to show up and kind of do the work and organize things is uh, really inspirational as well. So let's get uh, stuck in. Thanks again for listening. Without further ado, let's get it going. This is John Marsh. You're listening to the Access Potential podcast. I think... A really cool place to start off would be, you know, of course, I want to talk about the podcasting that you're doing, uh, even the work that you're doing uh, at Sleeping Duck and dive into a little bit of that. Maybe, you know, before we get to that point, if we could backtrack a little bit and, you know, unpack a bit of, uh, you know, where you've come from. Mm-hmm. A little bit of the backstory, because I think it could play into this. I know a lot of the work you're doing now and with the podcast and, um, you know, has this focus on connection and relationships. And there's a lot of really cool stuff that's happening. And I'm interested mm-hmm. where this started. Um, maybe take us back a little bit and, and share a little bit of the backstory, whatever comes to you. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, how far back should I? Should I go? Um, take take us back to um, take us back to uni, and you know, I know you, I know you had that pivotal moment where you went, where you went traveling, mm-hmm. um, and you've shared a lot of really cool stuff around your experience in Japan and the people and the culture you connected mm-hmm. with, uh, and obviously it's a it's a massive part of your life, right? Like take us mm-hmm. take us back there, and and see, we'll see what comes up. Yeah, so. I mean, if we go back to the university days as well, I think that's where 
you know, I really started blossoming in terms of, I feel like my self-development. I think everyone does anyway, but especially for me, it was suddenly like, okay, I've got this freedom of choice within my actions, right? As to how I can start determining my life. But I think at the start with that freedom, I was really kind of struggling with that because then it was very non-directional how I was channeling a lot of my energy. Um, But interestingly enough, it was during university that I really came and found the institution of the university gym there and why I would go to this gym a lot was not only for my own physical development or the, the sort of feeling that the physical development was giving me, but was for connecting with others. Like we would hang out there. I would know all the trainers there. Some of my best friends to this day were from relationships that I that I got from the gym because we would use the train together, just shoot the shit. You know, there was like these old guys as well that would come and somehow I would just strike up a conversation and we would be there like almost every day. And I used to joke that any time of day that I would go into the gym, I would know that there would be someone there that I could start talking to and just just enjoy myself, right? So that was like quite an important place, I think, um, for, for me, just for that social side, because it allowed me to express myself a lot during that time. But then outside of that as well, I think that's where it became really clear to me that, yeah, well, looking back to it, like I was a very terrible student. I didn't go to very many classes. Um, in fact, people knew that I was like very much the truant, never going to any of these things or if I was going to for like lectures I was probably sleeping but somehow I knew a lot of people because I really thrived off that social connection and meeting people and you know going to the parties but then also connecting with them outside of that as well and that's what I really really valued from my university experience was the relationships that I got from from the university so that's probably do you do you, yeah. do you uh, did you at at that stage or now just out of interest mm. you know and this isn't something that i'm like massively caught up on but did you identify or would you have said that you were extroverted then like pretty outgoing or was this sort of a bit of a mix like how would you have described yourself in terms of that mm. sort of concept uh yeah still not extroverted at all so i mean that sort of label when when i say extrovert there's some figures in my life which i like really harness that extroverted energy um and i think sometime during high school as well we we did the test and i i I came out as an introvert so i think i was always aligning myself more to that but it's like this balance right i like i i really enjoy my own time but i know that in university that's when I really started blossoming to also really start enjoying connecting with people as well that was like the the building of the roots I, I think there and it started clicking with me as well in terms of going uh this is what's really important in life as well like yes we can learn all these technical skills like during that time going to university as well it's like you know you've got to get good grades but I kind of got good grades through having good relationships because I mean sort of uh, interestingly enough, say for my law exams, like I never went to any classes, but I knew that by ha- like having these good relationships with, um, with people that they would give me their notes <laughs> and then I could study their notes and then talk with them about their notes and then talk about the notes or what I've learned with the notes with other people straight away. And by communicating about these concepts that I was learning from these notes, that was my process of teaching myself mm. and that became very powerful. So I always tried to incorporate that style of learning into, into my process. Like I was never trying to just learn it by myself. I'd be like straight away on the phone afterwards and then asking questions or trying to reteach that material to someone else. And that's how, yeah, sometimes I studied for a law exam within one week, to be honest, because that worked for me. Yeah, yeah, cool. So what took you over on your big journey abroad? Like, you remember you you talked a lot about the bicycle trip and Mm -hmm. what led to that one? Yeah, so 
about four or five years ago, I was in living in inner city Melbourne in a share house. I was all set up, you know, earning good money, like at a point in my life where I was feeling like quite fulfilled, right? But there was this urge or this, I can't, there was this feeling still that I was like, okay, I could keep on doing this, but there's something still missing. And I couldn't quite describe it. I was searching for this, for something in my life to kind of take me to the next level, if, that, if that's the kind of um, wording. And so I was, I was sort of like work, working at work, enjoying life, you know, spending time with friends, doing all the sort of things you do in your mid-20s. But I was kind of coming home or like when I was waking up and then journaling and going like, oh, what's sort of missing? Like I was having this questioning through my mind. And then when I went on this trip where it was a work trip at first initially where I went over to, to London to work for a little bit because at that time then it sort of came up in my, my mind going, oh, maybe I need to live overseas. Maybe that's the step. You know, some of my friends were doing that. I'd been in an exchange earlier before and I was thinking, okay, maybe like I really grew from that. Maybe that's what I need again. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, maybe London's the, the choice because we had an office over there. But I went over there and I did the London thing for like two, three weeks. So I was like, kind of like, you know, it's like a little bit different, but not different enough. And then after that, I took two weeks off and went to Japan for the first time. And that's where, yeah, I just had like this mind sort of meltdown explosion about the whole culture over there. And during that, that time, I just had these powerful experiences where I just felt that, okay, this is, this is something I haven't experienced before. And this is something that I want to do. I just had this feeling where I started like finding like the, the Nike, uh, the Nike slogan, the just do it. Like I would walk around and I'm just like, oh, I just need to, I just need to do it now. But I was like, what, what do I do? That, that didn't come to me until a couple of weeks later where I remember I was in Kyoto and I was going to this manga museum and I was riding on the bicycle to this manga museum. And I was like, ah, oh, like I've got these activities that are starting to come to me as to what I, I want to, I want to do. And part of it was like riding this bicycle because I was like enjoying riding around this bicycle uh, on this, in this, in this city. And it just felt so freeing as well. And that was probably the genesis of these seeds to then go, okay, like I want to do a bicycle trip. And then I want to do a bicycle trip around like, it was first like Japan, but then I added in the China thing as well, because my heritage is from like originally China as well. And it was such a massive country and yeah, I was always hearing all these things about it, but I just wanted to experience it for myself in terms of finding out, okay, what is China actually, actually like? So yeah, that's when I, I remember I, I like went back home, opened up the laptop on this spreadsheet. I like wrote out all these lists of like bucket list, crazy things. Right. And I was like, okay, just do it. Which ones am I going to do? And I, I picked out a, a couple of them. And the one was like learn a foreign language. And the other one was, do a bicycle trip. And when I came back, it was just clear, like, even though I had everything sort of set up, I arranged a meeting with my, my bosses. And I was like, look, I got this crazy plan. I think I need to go on an adventure and do this bicycle trip. At that time, it was kind of very vague as well. I didn't really know like where I was going to go, but I just told them and I was like, I'm just giving you notice now. It was like nine months notice as well. I was like, I, cause that's how, how long it was going to take me to save up the money to essentially just quit everything. And just to go without a return ticket that that was also part of the bargain that I didn't want to have this like perceived safety net of going, okay, I can walk back into something I was really going to let go. Yeah. And so that's what I did. So I remember we connected, um, I mean, it must've been an amazing trip and I, you know, I've seen little stories that you've shared about aspects of it. And, um, I remember we connected when you were in Japan and it was originally around the movement stuff, right? Like you were doing a lot of, uh, different types of training. You'd been riding the bike a lot. Talk to us a little bit about how that, happened how you went from being in japan cycling all over the place 
uh, to then kind of getting into, uh, you know, this other sort of style of training or exercise or movement or whatever you want to kind of call it. How did that unfold? And, and, um, yes, what sort of happened there? Yeah. Well, finding all this movement culture stuff happened just before the bicycle trip. So what what had happened was I was experiencing these pains within my, my body. And so before I left, I mean, I was heavily into just going to the gym and just doing, you know, squats, deadlifts, bench row, that sort of thing. But every time I would get to a certain point where I was feeling like, you know, it was really improving, then I don't know, I'd have a neck spasm or something would play up and then, yeah, I'd be cut down from it and I'd really be like, Oh, my body is not responding, but I kept on ignoring it, but it got to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And in preparation for this trip, I actually took like this 10 day sabbatical over the Christmas to new year's where I was like, okay, I'm going to put the pieces in line for preparation for this trip. What are these areas that I need to really sit down and start doing? And one was this, this language thing. That's where I really was like set up the structure to go, okay, I need to kickstart learning Japanese. I really need to, see how far I can push myself. And I set up this like study structure of how I was going to approach it. And then the other one was understanding more about my body because I was feeling these pains within my body. I knew I was going to push it a lot during this trip as well. And I was just, yeah, I was just sick of like these neck spasms as well. So I spent my time studying, I guess, different modalities that I'd never done before. So at that time, there's like this whole mobility thing that was starting to rise as well that I'd never done before. And I was doing it. And I was like, Oh, this is actually making me feel a little bit better. And then that's how somehow I ended up on like Ido's old blog. And then he had like the squat routine, the scapula routine as well. And I was like, this is amazing. And I was trying to understand all that. I remember the first time I was trying to do like a, a wall bridge rotation as well. And I thought I'd nearly like broken myself. I was sweating so, so much but because it was so hard. I was like, this is what I need to need, need to do. So that's where that original interest started growing from. And I just kept on leaning more into that and experimenting more with those tools in the lead up for this trip. And then it just translated quite well when I was bicycling during this trip to some of all the mobility, um, mobility stuff because during my breaks of when I was cycling then I was on the side of the road then you know that I'd have a stretch out I would do all that and that's where I would yeah recognize more points in my body and I was starting to gain more of that bodily awareness and then it really started developing when I took like this winter break when it got just too cold to cycle right there was just like ice and snow on the roads and I was like look this is not enjoyable <laughs> anymore and I and I, I hunkered down in this um, rural hostel in the middle of Shikoku in the middle of these mountains and it was like for three months that's where I like yeah really got deep in Japanese because no one else could speak any other language um, than that and then I got like much more deeper in terms of uh, trying to discover this whole movement thing as well, because I'd kind of got these inklings going like, there's something really interesting here. Um, and then I was using that time to, yeah, just poke around, like, you know, look at all the Instagram stuff, look at all the, the blog stuff that was being posted and just go, Hey, I think I'm really interested in this training modality. And then I had the time to also experiment more with that as well. Yeah, cool. So, um, Take us to, you know, Australia, back to, you know, you're back in Melbourne and talk to us a little bit about how you're reconciling or balancing or creating the life that you've got with the different, um, you know, the different things that you're doing and bringing together because it's such a, a cool mix, it seems, um, where you're able to you know, express yourself in all these different ways and continue to learn and still be involved in, you know, another business as well. Like talk a little bit about the life that you've created uh, down there now. Yeah, well, it was very clear to me from my trip that I have a very strong orientation towards challenge and learning. And that is a very important aspect of, of my life. And so making the decision to come back here as well, 
I was sort of wrestling for clarity in terms of making that decision when I was in Japan, but I remember just stepping onto a, a, a plane to meet my parents. That's where I felt this huge energy to go, shift saying that like the next step now and the challenge is to come back to Australia with what I've learned and what I've experienced and then keep on continuing the development there. And at that time as well, I knew that there was this, a lot of this movement stuff happening in Australia as well. Whereas where I was in Okinawa, Japan, it was like, no one really knew anything. Right. But, um, and so I knew that, okay, like to learn more of this stuff as well, I would have to come back here because I knew that I could then connect with people and then learn directly off from them. And that's something that I'd been really feeling like I was lacking and missing because over there, I was just pursuing it sort of by myself. Right. And I knew that it was like, this wasn't really the way I'm, I'm just getting stuck. I'm just, I'm just getting to a certain point and I'm trying to understand it, but like, I don't really understand it at all. So I made the decision to come back um, here and that's where yeah, you, um, John like kindly introduced me to workshop gym. And that was like the first sort of almost head explode moment because that was the first time when I really had like coaching as well. And I was just like, wow, like why haven't I done this before? Like to have a teacher to, to be explained these different viewpoints in terms of some of the movements that I was doing, like I was just trying to mimic people off from whatever I was seeing. Right. But then having someone explain it and then someone tell you about to focus on a certain part or a certain way of how you're actually moving, or even to have that eye to actually go, Hey, did you notice you're actually not doing this? Like in the way that you think you are doing. And there was like, yeah, it was very transformative in terms of my like learning experience and then confirming to me as well that it's like the solo practitioner is almost a, a myth. You can't, you can't be the solo, like, or if, if there's someone who's figured it out to actually do that, like they're an absolute genius because we're stronger together. And then only by like, I guess, playing the role of the student and the teacher and the, and the, the peer practitioner that we can really grow a lot faster. So that, that, that was like on the movement side and then coming back like for these other projects and like say my work. So funnily enough, I mean, I'm back at sleeping duck, which is like the work that I was doing from before. Like that didn't happen like immediately, but the opportunity arose again in a, like in a, in a different role and the business had transformed into a different state as well. And again, it was just reconnecting with like familiar, but, I knew that they were sitting in a different uh, place. And so it represented a different challenge where I was like, Oh, this is, this is a good fit for me. And again, that has provided some really crucial connection um, and almost this community sense of feel by being a part of that, that company, because I think the team that we've built through there has been, yeah, like I, I, I learn a lot from just, everyday conversations I have with the, with the guys, at, uh, with, with the team there and um, the, the depth of conversation. That's something that I've really come to appreciate and in recent times as well is like learning through conversation rather than learning through sometimes formal routes, like sitting down and reading a book or listening to a, to a lecture. It's going, okay, like if we interrogate things by conversation, what can we learn together? I've really come to appreciate that. Mm. This concept of kind of curiosity comes to mind when I think about when I hear you speak. And, uh, you know, I also see that in your work when you share movement stuff or the things that you're interested in, even when you put together, say, a tutorial, which is kind of, uh, you know, sharing a teaching or something that you've learned there's still a feeling of curiosity in the way that you share it or articulate it, which I think is really cool. Um, how do you think that you have developed that or cultivated that, uh, I guess, posture or way of being, or is that something that you're aware of or think about very much? Yeah, this curiosity thing, I think has been, I mean, I think it's like, I've, uh, I've, been the skeptic sometimes because maybe when I was younger as well, I was always thinking like, uh, like 
somehow stepping into the identity of being like intelligent or the smart guy. So trying to question things and going like, okay, like I need to, I need to like achieve sort of top marks and, and to get there, then I need to ask like better questions. And then through university, I think that was starting to cement. And I, I think it's also just this questioning that I started coming to realize in terms of going like, Oh, what people are, are telling me and what I'm hearing from you say mainstream media or uh, more popular thought isn't actually the truth all the time. Like the, there's moments where, yeah, I sort of had these realizations where I was like going, Oh, you know, like these rules that they're telling us as well. Like why, why are they rules? Like they don't need to be rules. They're not actually getting the better outcome as, as well. And I think just by, making these realizations at certain certain points such as like you finally go to a party right and the party's like so good but then maybe your parents are always saying like like parties are really dangerous and bad but then the direct experience is like it's not bad or like i had such a good time i made these connections like everything that you were saying before was not really true and there's only a certain amount of time like say for me where like my direct experience was contradicting what I was hearing from not just my parents, but maybe from like society as well, or from what I was reading or from a certain like lecturer that I was like, okay, I need to think for myself. And to do that, I need to ask questions and really sit down and be like, what is the truth here? What is my actual experience actually saying? And how can I learn from this instead of just accepting whatever is being told to me as as being correct. Mm, yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, one of the things that I see as a result from, from what it looks like anyway, from the outside is that the curiosity that you've got, uh, seems strong enough to override some of the natural resistances that we feel with a lot of things like, sharing our work or whatever it might be. And it feels like your curiosity is perhaps one of the drivers to push through that, which is really cool. I don't know if it feels that way. I'm interested. Um, you've got a really cool podcast now that you use to connect with, uh, other people specifically in the movement world. And I'm interested in why you started that and, if you could just give some context or backstory as to why someone who works in a startup that's a couple of years down the track, that's doing really well with the family, uh, you know, who's doing a bit of movement on the side, why, why he would, <laughs> why he would also add a, a podcast to his plate. <laughs> Oh, if you put it like that, yeah, I'm kind of questioning myself. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to put it in a way that wasn't so easy, right? I'm, I'm just interested. Like, why why the podcast? Why yep. now? And what have you found? What was the backstory? And maybe just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I guess it isn't easy, right? Like, it's an energetic and time cost. Like, and I I think about this in a serious way as, as well. Um, yeah, I guess it's because of this, like, real growing enthusiasm in, in movement and through my learnings from there in terms of from the, not only the practice, but then coming back here to um, Australia and connecting with teachers as well. I've really enjoyed fostering that connection. And, you know, when I was riding on my bike through these times in, in China and Japan, there were days sometimes where I was just by myself or I would pass by people and I would write in my journal to go, you know what, it would make my day amazing if I just shared a smile with somebody because either there was no one there or, you know, there was like one random farmer and then, so they're not sometimes looking at you. So I would like shout at them and try and make eye contact so that like we could share this smile. And if I got that, like, I'd be like, so, so happy, you know? So I think that's where this connection piece then started becoming really important for me. And this like community building feeling as well. And so that's where, yeah, so I like, I think when I came back to Australia, I had it in my mind to really make this movement thing more of a part of my life because it was a new thing. But then this energy in terms of 
what I was getting from the practice and learning from it was so strong that I, yeah, it, it was just that I knew that again, I couldn't just sit on the sidelines or make the practice just so, sort of solo, but I, I wanted to contribute back into the community that was growing because that was just something that I felt was right to do. And that was something that I knew was going to repay me back somehow in terms of yeah, connecting me to more interesting people and, and feel, and feel good because every time that I would meet somebody as well, I could feel this energy lift within me. You know, I was kind of like jacked up and I was like, Oh, I met this awesome person. Like we're connecting on this same, same wavelength. And so I was just trying to search for a vehicle to, to find more of these people perhaps. And I, I knew that if I didn't have a certain vehicle, then I wouldn't be able to do that. So I probably like go back to my time when I was in university and I was, I was a techno DJ and it was a funny time because at the time I remember I was practicing at home all the time on my turntables. I was getting pretty good at it, but I was kind of frustrated because I was like, no one's asking me to play it these parties i want to like connect into this scene how do i connect in the into this scene it's like kind of frustrating because people know that i got these records like kind of posting this stuff some sometimes like on the on the internet but very 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 rarely of these like recorded sets um and making friends with the, the djs promoters but i'm not getting asked what's happening and then i banded together with these group of friends to make our own party uh which became like a monthly event and then we were playing there and then we invited some other DJs to play. And then suddenly it was like, I was getting asked to play at all these parties. And it became apparent to me that it was like, okay, like if you want to be a part of the culture, then you, you really got to help contribute into the, that culture. Like no one knew me before. Be, well, they knew me, but like, I was just like someone that was attending some of the events or like a consumer. I wasn't a con contributor. And then as soon as I, switched that button on, then people saw me in a different light and I started getting all these invitations and it felt good. Like I was like, okay, now I'm sitting on another side of the fence and I'm actually positive, positively promoting this culture as well. So yeah, I, was, I think about that a lot. And then thinking about this movement stuff as well, that's where I was like, okay, I want to do something similar. You started off with a blog um, and you were writing and sharing uh, ideas and thoughts on the blog and also a uh, little bit of music as well. Mm -hmm. What was the switch to create the podcast or create an audio platform? Um, I just want to get specific a little bit because I know that people, you know, people may be looking at sharing this story or, or starting to get, you know, perhaps a new avenue or way to communicate with the people that they work with. And they might be looking at all of these different platforms that are available now. What was the transformation there? Um, and what tipped it over? And did you sense any resistance in, cause it, you know, the other thing that comes to mind is you could create lots of connections in the community, uh, say like, you know, through Instagram or through other things, but, but you, you didn't, you went a different way and created it into an audio platform where you get on calls with people. Mm. Talk a little bit about that shift and how you've ended up finding a bit of a home on the podcast. Yeah. Well, I think there's a big delineation between having something like almost private where it's just like one-to-one -one sort of connection to them putting something out in the public sphere where it's like more open. Right. And my, I probably was feeling like the biggest sense of resistance when I first started like the heal yourself and move blog, where I guess that was more personal to me, but that was also a lot more finding my position as to how I wanted to represent myself. And so at that time, it's kind of like, you know, I'm still into this music, music thing. I'm still into this. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to build and, um, cultivate this movement thing as well and that's what I wanted to represent like heal yourself and move the name as well comes from this this track by Theo Parrish that I really love as well and so when my friend said said it to me I was like you know this is <laughs> this is going to be it um, and so that was all 
like more just like a personal representation of where I was at during my life. But then it started to shift as I was leaning more into this movement thing, connecting with people here more where I was like, Hey, actually, you know, like I'm really into this movement thing. I want it to be more representative of that side. You know, when you make something so broad, then especially something so personal, sometimes that can be a bit harder for people to understand or perceive and be like, okay, what is this guy about? Like, or I think it means a lot to maybe a very, a smaller group of people, which is already like people that you have close relationships with. And that's what I was finding with the readers of the blog. And, you know, that was really great because that really strengthened some relationships that I already had. But then if I was to look more outwardly looking and start fostering new connections to people that I didn't know at all, then I knew that I had to create a new sort of vehicle. And I was like, okay, what is this vehicle going to be? And during that time, you know, I was, I was getting a lot into all these podcasts, like via your podcast, John, but then other podcasts as well. I was really enjoying that medium and that format. And I had done the blog thing for, it was, what, what was it like? Like an eight month sort of experiment. And I was like, okay, that feels really nice. feels good, but I've kind of done that now. What's like another one that I can try. And then because I was leaning so heavily already into this podcast format, I was like, okay, what would it be like to sit on that other side of the fence for being a, being a podcast host? And then in terms of form, formulating it and uh, deciding where to go, I think that's where I just really had to be clear to myself and going, hey, you know, I really, really enjoy this movement culture thing. I'm going to make it for other movement culture enthusiasts. And that was a shift as well for me because I did feel a little bit of resistance in identifying so strongly with that culture but when it came down to it i was like you know i'm like always so so enthusiastic about when i find a new thing about this or when i start following a new person in this culture that it's like this is this is what i'm about like this is is fine and it's okay to be excited about it and trying to share it as well you know I, i there there was a bit of a click through there and then once that was decided then I was like okay like I'm getting clearer as to who this is for like uh, I know that I want to make it for this sort of sort of people so now that that's more clearly defined how do I start going about that how do I start making it making sense for people so even with the blog like heal yourself and move like with that name does that mean anything to like these sort of people like probably doesn't like resonate so, so much like that's more speaking to like pain and injury or you know some sort of fun it's got the move yourself but not really and then yeah that's where i mean everyone gets stuck in the name right <laughs> and i was like what do i call this thing and you know i was like playing around with a lot of language and at the start you know i was just like do i just call it like australian movement culture or something but i was like that kind of sounds a bit lame like you know Am I going to be proud of like making something like that? That doesn't really sound like that, that, that appealing. And then I started digging through all the language that we're using within movement culture. And that's where, yeah, the passive hang just came out of, out of just the simple movement that I was coming to really appreciate. Like at the start, when people come into movement, they always talk about hanging and squatting, right? And the passive hang, dead hang, that was something that was really fundamental to me to just make me feel better. And then when I was just saying it, I was just like, Oh, I think this fits. This is, this is good. So yeah, that's sort of where the name came from. So what are some of the, you know, cause you started at episode zero and or having zero episodes crafting out the first one you've done more than a dozen now. Yeah. Yeah. With, 24 24 yeah. two dozen yeah cool yeah. um what's some of the stuff that you've noticed having having taken the plunge created a platform started to connect people uh what are some of the learnings that you've seen or challenges or you know um you know sort of either side good or bad that you've noticed from the experience i think a strong strong learning for me has been the the developing that art of 
conversation and communication. And I've really started like appreciating how important that is in how we, how we can almost shape our realities because, you know, we have all these interpersonal relationships within our lives and that's almost how we like place ourselves within these social worlds. And the number one tool that we have at our disposal to help shape these interpersonal relationships is our form of communication. Right. And through the podcast, I mean, after I do these podcasts, I listen back to every single one of them and I'm taking notes and I've never done that before because one, like listening to your voice, I mean, when you first start doing it, it just sucks. <laughs> You're kind of like, what is this? It's so revealing, right? You, you take a recording of yourself, you listen back and it just sounds, doesn't sound like you. <laughs> and so that first podcast, yeah, I was really struggling because I knew that I was like, I got to kick this off. I got to make it a solo podcast. I need to record something where I'm talking like without prompts from someone else, like a monologue for what was that? Like I said, the end for like half an hour, never done that before. In I my remember. Life. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, you know, I, I sort of made some notes beforehand, but then that doesn't work as well because then you're like, this is so unnatural. Like I'm just like reading off a script. You're just like, this doesn't work either. So after a while you really have to relax your internal state and then just let it sit and just start talking. And then once you reach this sort of energetic state where you're kind of accepting more about how you actually talk and more about yourself and just saying that, okay, I'm just going to let it flow. Then it actually just starts coming out. And so that's how that first episode started happening after that was a lot of resistance. I had a couple of goes before I was like, look, yeah, I'm just going to put the microphone on. I kind of have this feeling of what I know I want to say, which is, yeah, I think the story is a good place to start because, you know, you know the events of your life and then you can talk about that. Maybe something which is starting at a more technical concept level. That's a bit harder. Maybe you need, you do need a little bit more practice with talking about that with somebody else before talking about something that is not so story driven. Uh, and so, yeah, I found choosing to represent that story at first was really helpful for getting me just to go, just to relax and then trusting in myself that I knew what I had to say because it's my life. Um, and, you know, one thing that comes to mind is the concept of, of choosing to act as if you're basically an author so the person who's written the book or, or the celebrity or the person, you know, the DJ who gets booked at the different gigs or the distributor, the person who creates a platform, who brings people together and is a bit of a connector. And um, one of the things that I talk to a lot of businesses about is this concept of, of really niching down, identifying or understanding the story of the people you want to work with, and then being able to almost become an authority in that small, uh, narrow and deep niche or, or little world. And one of the ways to do that, or really key ways to be able to get yourself out there. So either the, the author, the road of the author who you know, writes the book or who is the celebrity or that DJ or whoever gets booked can go and find themselves on a bunch of different podcasts. And they do like outreach to be a guest on a lot of different ones. And that's one way of getting the word out. Then on the other side of that table, there's the person who creates the platform who's able to um, make those connections in a different way. Does, you know, would you have anything to say to people listening who are thinking about getting themselves out there, spreading their message a little bit um, as to the path that you took to, you know, be the creator, the distributor, the connector, or, you know, the other path of like, hey, you know, you could go and jump on a podcast or you could go and share your word on your friends' podcasts or other people's. Is there anything that you'd speak to 
in terms of that, either from the personality side or the benefits you've noticed, or does anything come to mind there? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, those two things that I, I wanted to touch on as well from what you're saying, which was one about like being the, the target audience and how I went about defining that with the smallest viable audience, which maybe I'll t- touch on that later. And more directly to this question, which is about, yeah, accepting that you have to be active like to build these relationships. Um, so again, drawing back to my childhood, sometimes when I was like in high school, I would, I'd be wondering how I'd like get invited to these like parties, right? Because like I was kind of like a more introverted kid. I was like, I was living a bit further out to all my friends. And then I knew that sometimes they would go to these parties, that sort of thing. And so I'd be like, why isn't anyone sort of asking me that? Like sometimes I'm not getting asked to these parties. And then during in university, I just started, you know, realizing by playing more of the organizer role and then picking up the phone and actually calling people that I was like, Oh, like you can't just sit around and wait for the phone to ring. Cause that's never going to happen. Like people, people like there are certain people who, who do that, but for the most part, like people take a more passive sort of role and you, you got to put the energy up front in investing and going like, okay, I'm going to call this person. I'm going to check in. I'm going to, I'm going to kickstart this relationship for something to happen. And then afterwards, then it just gets easier for both sort of parties. So if you're sort of sitting around and waiting and being like, Oh, I want to sort of promote this thing. Um, why isn't anybody asking me for these opportunities? Well, like my sort of experience has just been, well, like you just got to make these ex- like experiences and opportunities come to you. So that's where, uh, earlier on as, as well, when I was doing like these research and like I was reading these blogs, like I, yeah, I just started emailing people. And when Instagram had the direct message function as well, that's what I was just like, wow, great. Like now I can just message like anybody that I'm following as well. Like, isn't this, isn't this amazing? Like now you have, I mean, it used to be maybe LinkedIn, but you had to connect, but now Instagram's just given you this cheat code where you can literally just reach out to any idol that you have and it like maybe they'll see it like that's that's the crazy thing and i go back to this crazy story where like gold medal bodies they're um you know great great sort of company that i looked up to and at the time when i was in japan like i was following like ryan hurst who's one of the founders and what i did was I thought he was like in America somewhere, like just from the way they represent themselves at an American company. Then I was like on his profile and I was like, this dude is in Osaka, Japan. Like he's in Japan. What's he doing in Japan? And he's like, he's actually lives there. So I was like, I'm going to Osaka in a couple of weeks. Like I should just message this guy and just be like, Hey, what's up? Like, do you want to meet? Like, wouldn't that be crazy? And so, yeah, I sat down, I crafted this message. I just sent it to him. And then you see like the scene thing and I'm like, Oh, he's like read the message. And then he wrote, wrote uh, writes back and he's just like, it's, it's sort of crazy. Cause he, he gets a lot of messages. And so he normally ignores a lot of them, but for some reason, like, yeah, he, he just read mine and it was like, Oh you no, know, it's like not something I normally do, but like your nest, your message was really well explained. I, I really connected with it as well because it wasn't just like a, Hey, let's meet up. I was kind of like explaining more about my story my interest into him, like why I would want to meet up. And he was like, okay, yeah, like, if, if you're up for it, like, when you're in Osaka, like, let's meet up. And then that's when I was like, wow, you can actually just meet anyone that you want to meet. You just send them a message. And I've been ignored heaps of times, like, and that's fine. Like, if people want to ignore them, like, the meeting wasn't supposed to happen as well. But you could message 10 people. And if you just meet, like, one person, or they message back, then, you know, you've got this, like, new powerful relationship, right, that you can nourished and they're not like digital relationships right they're like actual things like you've got to always remember like there's someone on the other side of that who's responding to you and then like actually conversing to you and i've had it heaps of times now where you know either listeners of my podcast um or yeah listeners of my podcast have reached out and we actually have i always make sure that i'm like messaging back in a fully engaged way to ask them about how their lives and their practice is going with a few of them as well, we've teed up video calls and I've actually like connected with them over, over, over that, which has been amazing. And that, 
again, goes back to maybe one of my original goals of creating this podcast, which was to help foster connection within the community because I coming from like that solo practitioner mindset, I was like, this isn't the way I want to help people like grow stronger together. And so I'm always very active in terms of going, having time for people when they reach out to me, because I know how hard it is to reach out to, to people, especially when you're like new to it as well. So if they, if they get over that hump themselves and actually take the time to message me, even if it's a very small message, I try and then, provoke more of the conversation because I've had it before as well. When I just say like, thank you to people, that sort of thing. And then they either ignore or they're just a little bit, you can sense they're kind of just, uh, they kind of just acknowledge it, but they don't really want to speak to you. So it's like, okay, what if I was on the other side of the coin and I was actually going like, Oh, like I really want to make something happen here. And I think it's just been wonderful whenever I've taken that approach. Yeah. Cool. I love that. Um, is in terms of, you know, the, the podcast, like, uh, and, and I don't know here the details, uh, but basically I'll put it this way. One thing that I think is really cool is when people start to explore areas of interest, even if it's not a main business source of business. So Mm -hmm. a business can exist in a flow of value and, you know, you could be creating a flow of value and still choose to not uh, try to monetize or try to do any of these other things. And it's still an incredibly good idea and really worthwhile and rewarding as well. Plus it can be building um, trust and attention that carries forward. Obviously, is there anything that you would say to people who, you know, They've got an interest. They're they they're obsessed with something, uh, and you know it's not their business. They they've got a job, or they're just not uh, pursuing this thing at this time. Um, would you recommend going down this road? Is this something that you would do from your experience, even though it's not the main thing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're obsessed with it, you have this practice towards something and you want to do, you, you find joy from this, this practice. It's like becoming real to yourself that this is like an important part of your life. And, you know, you don't have to be one dimensional in terms of going, no, this is my, this is my work. And this is like all that I do. Like the most interesting people that I know. And then especially even through my work at sleeping duck is like, there's a bunch of all these consultants as well who spend a lot of time with doing the sleeping duck work, but then they're like in the film industry and they're graphic designers there. And, but then they also have all these personal projects or there's like one guy who's like a, a screenwriter, but he's a doctor as well, you know? And then you just, and then there's another guy who's like a logistics manager, but he's a like full-time firefighter when the, the call is out and you're like, ah, oh, you know, like you don't have to be one dimensional, like your life is more vivid when it's, when you appreciate these, these sides to yourself. And if they're important to you as well, like maybe you should lean into them more. I know it's a higher energetic cost as well, but also it's like recognizing that these practices and these other things that you do as well, give you energy because you actually genuinely enjoy them as well. So I've, I've just come to appreciate that a lot in terms of going, okay, like if you were to contribute more into the passion that you actually enjoy, whether that's your work or not, like that will actually make you a more passionate person as well. Because, (laughs) and then that reflects back into maybe if you want to say it, like your, your main work as well, because like the learnings that I get here, I mean, even if we just talk about that art of communication, it's, it's, for damn sure helping me within my job as well, because you have to communicate with everybody as well. So, and that's just like one piece of the puzzle, but then actually like building something and doing that, you get all these other sort of understandings and learnings, which help you throughout your whole life and even overcoming certain fear barriers and uh, like the trials and the tribulations. It's not just confined to going like, Oh, this is only going to help me within this certain segment it's reflective of your whole life as well. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. It's, it is always hard at first as well, because then you're taking a more active approach to what you're doing there. But I think that's also something that 
people need to uh, maybe maybe appreciate more as well is that like we can to to be active within your life in like all areas of your life uh yes it's going to be harder as well but you can adapt to that and then after you set up these like structures as well like these relationships and these experiences start coming to you that maybe before you were only ever dreaming of yeah it's cool i love that well i'm 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 happy with that because um you know, I tell people all the time, I think everyone should start a podcast. Like I'll, I'll stand behind that. I think no matter what you're doing, doing a season of a podcast is just a good exercise, like yeah. to put something out to understand, you know, if you don't have any idea of the back end, you can learn something. So you get to learn the tech, which is not too complicated. Um, like you said, you learn to speak, maybe it's solo and, and that's a challenge in itself. That's really cool. Maybe it involves, uh, you know, a, an outreach to someone and getting a cool guest on and that's cool too. And you don't need to do it forever. You could do 12 seasons or, or 30, 30 episodes, sorry, 12 episodes, 30 episodes, uh, whatever it may be, but there's very, very little risk and tons of upside and you might, you might even just love it and keep going, which is, you know, pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's like becoming the creator as well, right? Like, yeah. But when you create something, I think that's like in the nature way that we get as humans is like when you make something and you share something, even if it's like you know woodwork or something, you you step back, you see it, and it just feels good. Mm, yeah, I love that. Uh, is uh, actually, I wrote a blog post about that maybe two weeks ago. The ABCs always be creating. And, um, even if you have nothing going on, you can create a moment, you know, you can create something, uh, and it brings you back to the intent, what you want to do. And mm. even if that's to relax, you know, you can create some space for that, but you can be intentional and choose to do something. And I think the podcast is a really cool way to do it. Is there, you know, kind of wrapping up, is there anything that's coming up or is, are you, is, is the thing, the thing in itself at the moment, is it pointing in towards any direction? Uh, is there anything that you have on the horizon from this or is it the experience in itself that you're enjoying at the moment? Yeah. I want to foster more connection. Like I was saying before, like, can I create like an actual like community as well of like, I'm connecting with these amazing teachers, like these, they're these amazing listeners as well. Like, how cool, cool would it be if I created a vehicle as well where people actually gathered and met people in person? Like that would be amazing. So I think the podcast is just one step towards that, which helps share more of these like human stories from person to person and people can feel that and feel more connected through listening through these stories. But then, yeah, if I was to become an organizer of an event, per se, and people were to come together, I think that would be, for me, yeah, like the next sort of step, I would be really, I would be really happy to, to be able to pull something off like that, where then, even if it's just a small group, that's, you know, there, there is something between sharing something digitally, and then experiencing, like an actual experience person to person, right? I think I felt this when I did the APA with you, John, and then you pulled everyone together for these retreats and you've been speaking to these people for a while you know on zoom calls that sort of thing but it never compares to the energy that you can generate when you all get together you're all working on a common goal you walk away from those <laughs> those weekends like completely transformative right so if i could do something that's even just remotely similar like that that would be amazing yeah, two things pop up. Uh, one is I believe that the further we go down a general digitization of how we live, which is happening big time this year, I, I think you're right. I think that those face-to-face -face meetups um, are essential. And I think if you, if anyone listening or you or anyone has any little 10% desire to be an organizer or something like that, I think you almost, you know, and this is my belief, have a responsibility to step into that, to do that. Mm. Because um, 
what's happening is it's getting more and more difficult to get a group together to have creative thought, to have intelligent conversations, to question things, to create things. Um, so I think upholding that is really, really powerful. And I think there's almost a responsibility that's starting to come through for the people who, you know, want to do that or have an interest in doing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, actually that's it really, um, really cool, man. I'm really excited. It's so cool to see it growing. And, you know, like I said before, uh, I was talking to someone the other day and then that, your podcast came up in conversation. I was like, oh, cool. Like that's, that's it, right? Like, that's, it's going forward. And then, you know, people in the culture, I, you know, I don't know if you remember back in the, the, the old super niche framework, one of the questions was mm-hmm. like, what stories will they tell? What will they say about your work? Mm-hmm. And I was like, here's this guy saying about the a founds podcast. This is really cool. Um, so yeah, keep going. It's really awesome. It's very inspiring. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover or talk about? Yeah, just with that, like that super niche work and this concept of like, who, who's it for? Um, so, I mean, stepping through the creation of this podcast, I actually did like take some upfront work, you know, from your suggestion as well with sitting down and going like, okay, I'll work myself through this super niche framework and have a bit more of this get clearer as to what I, I'm doing and the, the who's it for sometimes I always kind of struggle to to define that I was like you know what do I write you know how, how do I what, what are the qualities and the traits and taking a leaf out of Seth Godin's book whereas he's always talking about the smallest viable market I was just like okay how can I make this so small to me that I can just recognize the actual human as to who, who's it for and so I just looked around at myself at like these friends that I was creating in this movement community. And I was like, you know, I'm going to make it for like Aaron, Aaron Griffiths. I'm like, you know, he's on the same level as me. And if I was to make the perfect podcast for, for Aaron, where he's going to listen to every single episode, what would that look like? You know, so I started at like one person and then there's like a second person, like Sebastian, like who, helped out of Vic's place. And I was like, if I was to get Sebastian completely, absolutely hooked on what I was creating, like, what would it be? And then, so I was like writing this down, but then I was like, that's not enough. Like now I just need to call these guys and actually talk with them and then ask them about this idea and then ask them about the interests. And then I've actually got it. Like, so there's one step where you're, I guess, sitting on your own side of the fence in perceiving and truly being like this creator and going like, okay, this is like, what I think that they need. And then there's the other thing where you actually just like talk, to, talk to the person and then go, ah, oh, this is like actually what they're interested in. And I think sometimes when you think, okay, who's it for you zoom out too large and then it becomes too hazy. Even if you think that you've got it in a specific sort of niche, it's still too large. I think we can't, we really struggle to comprehend that without having trained that with that within our mind but we can comprehend specific sort of people. So what I would do is I would just seek out like the specific people that you already know within that specific sort of niche, sit down, have some sort of thoughts, whatever, and then just call them or sit down with them and have a conversation. And then you actually just know what their worldview is. And I think that's really helped me. And I, every time I get sort of get stuck as well as to maybe thinking, okay, like who, sh- who I should, who should I invite or what questions should I ask? I just put like a specific person in mind and that person may change over time as well. And then I'd be like, I'm going to make it for them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Sometimes I'll tell people like, if you get stuck, just go into Facebook, find that person in your mind's eye, screenshot their profile thing, print it out and just put that on top of your, um, you know, put it on the side of your screen and, the cool thing is we can actually see what they're doing as well as what they're saying. You know, you get to mm. see their interests, see what communities they're in, see their language. And, um, it's all available. Uh, it just does require work, you know, mm. it's upfront work. And I think that's, that can be a little bit, uh, feel like a bit of friction sometimes, but. I think what's important with that one as well is that like, you need information as well so that you can feed back into your decision-making process. 
And when you've zoomed out as well, you don't really know who to ask and it's hard to get the actual feedback, right? But then when you zoom down to this singular level person as well, like you can send it to them, you can then ask them directly for feedback and then you actually know, you're like, oh, did they actually really enjoy that? And then from there, that can inform a better decision going forward. Yeah, perfect. Awesome, brother. Uh, anything else? Any last words? No, that's it. I've just been really enjoying this this journey. I've really, uh, um, you know, thank you, John, as well for being continuing inspiration with like all the stuff that you're putting out as as well. Um, you know, I don't really exactly know where it might all head, but it feels good right now. It's like, you know, it's nourishing me. Hopefully, it's like nourishing others as well. So. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy when people just reach out and then actually form this sort of relationship. And then, yeah, I'm always thinking, okay, is, is there a next level? Can I take it to, to a next level? What's the sort of next step? And it probably is, yeah, just the creating the actual like face-to-face physical relationships that would be the next sort of challenge. So I'm excited to think about how that could look. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing that pop up and um seeing what you do and yeah, appreciate your generous work and your consistency and keep going. Cause it's a, it's a really cool example for everyone. And um, thanks for sharing all the great value of the journey so far. Thanks for having me on here, John. Thanks so much, Fran. That's it for this episode of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, feel free to reach out if you've got any questions, john at johntmarsh.com. Lots of really cool stuff coming up ahead the next few months as well. So very excited to be bringing some of that stuff to you guys. Uh, that's it for this episode. I'll see you on the next one.